Welcome to another episode of Improv Exchange with Leander Young, where we dig into conversations with seasoned musicians to discuss their life, art, and the faith of jazz as they see it. In this episode, we interview a composer and educator from Bozy, Iowa, Brett Vastra. Hello, everybody. Welcome to a special issue or edition of Improv Exchange. And we have a guest with us from Learn Jazz Standards. Sarah, could you please introduce yourself and we'll get into it? Lander, thanks for having me on the show. Yeah, my name is Brent Varstra. I'm a jazz musician in New York City. I'm a jazz coach, uh, but most people know me as the jazz musician behind the jazz education company Learn Jazz Standards. Um, we help, you know, musicians all around the world playing all sorts of instruments, just learn how to play the genre of jazz. And uh, that's what I'm excited about. Okay. Well, I know your podcast. Well, you're one of the few jazz ones that beat my numbers. It's more <laughs> educational, definitely. <laughs> so how did you even get into this? Yeah, well, so I mentioned, like, I'm a, ja I'm a jazz musician. Um, and uh, I, I play professionally... I used to make my living through performing, you know, around New York City and, and teaching private students. And it, I kind of just got into this, uh, Learn Jazz Standards kind of started as a blog, really, just like kind of, uh, here's a place to learn jazz standards, right? I was learning a ton of jazz standards back in college, and that's kind of when this all kind of started out. And so, you know, basically all the, all the tunes I was learning, all the standards I was playing, I was, you know, posting results on uh, this blog. And... The concept of making a living off of a blog was very foreign to me, but I had some friends that um, were doing it, essentially. And so I was just kind of lucky as a musician, right? We're always looking for revenue streams. And, you know, some of us do it a lot through performance. I know a lot of the guests on your podcast, um, you know, performance is the big one, right? Um, I think I saw Jeremy Pelt on your podcast, right? So, I mean, people yes, like... Yes, Jeremy's the yeah. man. <laughs> <laughs> people like that, right? And then there's there's teaching, right? There's teaching private students. A lot of people do that. Or there's some people that go the route of, you know, you know, uh, teaching high school band or whatever have you, right? Um, so for me, this became a revenue stream of, you know, can I teach music online, right? Uh, can I worry less about, you know, looking at my calendar and the blank spots or if the student canceled on me or something like that and worrying about paying the bills. And so it was just something that I invested in over time, you know, working on creating an online presence. Um, you mentioned I have a podcast. We started that in 2016. Uh, we have a YouTube channel and uh, we have a membership that's uh, and, we, and courses. That's that's what we what we sell as a as a company. And um I think it was just sort of like this trial and error thing. And of course, just the excitement of getting to share jazz and how to play it and the things that I've learned and the things that um, other professionals have learned about playing this music and improving at it. And then finding out that there's just people all over the world playing all sorts of different instruments that are interested in this and the ability to reach those people and get to know them, right? Get get emails, um, even get on Zoom chats with them and, and talk with them and get to understand, you know, the struggles that people have learning music, not just jazz, but music in general, right? 
Um, that's kind of what I just sort of, I don't want to say I fell into it, but it's just um, kind of something that opened up, a, a, something I never thought about as far as being a musician. And now that's, that's how I make my living is uh, teaching jazz online. Okay. Nothing wrong with that, man. I mean, I tell people all the time, not everyone's <laughs> meant for the stage. <laughs> Before I forget, though, to ask, where did you go to university? Yeah, so I, I went to two schools. Um, I studied for one year out in Seattle at a college called Cornish College of the Arts. And I got my degree at City College of New York up in Harlem. Um, yeah, John Patitucci was artist in residence at the time. A lot of other great teachers up there. And, um, you know, as you know, like when you when you study in New York, you also have your pick of the, uh, I mean, all the amazing jazz musicians. So I studied a little bit with Peter Bernstein. I'm a jazz guitarist, by the way, for those who don't know. Sorry, with Peter Bernstein a bit, uh, the late Vic Juris, um, Steve Cardenas. Anyways, it's just, uh, that's where the real education is, right? Just getting to play with other musicians around and, but, but college was good too, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. So the thing about these internet things, it's like, I am, believe it or not, a big, believer that you can't really learn jazz online but i do know there's a need for this because mm. not everyone has access to new york especially if you're a teenager right so what makes you stand out more to oh tell me why i should use your program well i don't want to sell anyone and use my program i'll i will fight you a little bit on on learning jazz online so it could be that you're um I, I, I definitely do agree that in order to really play jazz, right, you have to play with other people. Like, that's really how you're going to learn how to play, um, well, any style of music. It doesn't have to be just jazz. Uh, playing with other people, especially with jazz, right, because jazz is, it's a, it's a, a music that requires um, community. It re requires a response and reaction to what other people are doing. That's kind of like the essence of the music, right? So that's like a, a super important ingredient. But the other side of it is a lot of people who are a lot of my members, a lot of people who are in in my learning community are I hate to use the word hobbyist because some people get like offended by that for some reason. I don't know why. I don't know why. Um, but a lot of people like they do it for fun. Like this is something that they love to do. Like they like to come home from work and they like to pick out their instrument and and have a good time. And they're looking for a, a place where they can decode this music that to some people, especially if they come outside of jazz, is a little bit complicated, right? And, and like we know that it, it's not as complicated as sometimes it looks from the outside looking in. Um, but kind of what I focus on mostly, I, I, I refer to myself, I consider myself a jazz coach, not necessarily a teacher, but I really focus on helping people find a path of least resistance. So what are the holes? What are the musical holes that they have? What do they not know about music that is causing them to not be able to learn a jazz standard, for example? Or when they take a solo, they're unhappy with it. It doesn't sound like their favorite jazz musicians. Well, why is that, right? Well, we can get granular about that. Or motivation, like why do I get frustrated and, motiv and unmotivated playing music? Which by the way, is the number one killer of long-term progress of of improving as a musician. So how do you make the process of learning music and playing jazz more fun rather than a frustrating experience experience? So that's really kind of what I focus on, whether it be on my podcast or 
YouTube channel, certainly in our membership and on our courses in our membership. Okay. Can't really say much on that. So <laughs> what about someone like me, percussionist? Yeah. Do you have anything that works for us? Yeah. I, you know, I'm very sad to say that the only instrument we don't serve at Learn Chess Standards is drums. <laughs> That's always the problem. <laughs> oh, I know. I know. It breaks my heart. You know, it's crazy. So I'll, I'll say this, like, we have a crazy task that we do. So all of our courses or the main thing that we do in our inner circle membership is we learn one new jazz standard a month. So because we serve all these different instruments, uh, like our composer who's composing our etudes or our, our exercises, like we have to compose everything to be into in a certain range, right? So that it doesn't go over someone else's range and everything has to, we transpose everything for C, B flat, E flat, and then bass clef. So <laughs> sometimes I'm like, I wish I just did a jazz guitar membership, you know, where I could just, you know, but we keep it in C, yeah, keep, it all, <laughs> keep it all in C, keep it like, you know, the ranges. But anyways, um, we, we've been doing this for like, I don't know, eight years now, eight years doing this kind of stuff. So we, we can do it now or we know how to do it. We have systems and processes for doing it and, and rules for composing and, and all that stuff. All that to say, you know, expanding uh, to drums is just something we've never done because it's almost like, oh, that's, it's a bridge too far, right? And the content for, uh, for drummers is just, it's a, you know, a lot, well, it's still, it still shares a lot of the same elements, right? Of improvisation and what you need to do and all that stuff. Like the, none of those core tenants are different, but um, as far as like the content for someone to practice, which is essentially what we offer, right? We offer content for people to practice in a controlled environment you know, where they can feel like they're actually improving every month, not just here's a here's a huge book. I mean, I've written books, but I've written books for Hal Leonard, like they're great, right? But they're like thick and you're like, how often are you using them all the time, right? So, you know, that's, um, anyways, that's the challenge. I, I regret to say, I do, we don't have anything for drummers. It makes me sad. No, that that's cool. <laughs> okay, so what is the biggest struggle besides percussionist drummers that you actually face on this? Uh, biggest struggle as far as what the students face or what I face? You as the oh. teacher. Oh, got you. I think the biggest, that's an interesting question. No one's ever asked me it that way. Um, I think the biggest challenge is how do you help a lot of people get results? Because we have like over a thousand 900 members and even more people that take our courses and everybody and this is the challenge and maybe this is this is another element that learning online can't provide you just to kind of play at what you had said earlier a bit which is when you're working with a private teacher right you're able to get very individualized feedback on where you struggle and what specifically that you need to do, right? There's obviously general things that we all need to do to improve as musicians or jazz musicians, right? But it's kind of like when you go to like a specialist, right? <laughs> like you go to the doctor and they refer you to a specialist and that specialist is looking at a very specific problem that you may have. Okay, you're, you're dragging a little bit or you know, you have this inability to play longer flowing eighth note lines. Like, why is that? 
Like, how can we fix that? How can we help you play better bebop language? How can we help you outline the chord changes better? Things like this. Um, and having that private teacher who's able to like really pinpoint that for you and give you that individualized direction, like that specialist, that's something that can be difficult to do online, right? It's when you're dealing with a lot of different people playing a lot of different instruments. So the way we kind of uh, attack that is we really focus a lot on practicing and self-auditing your playing. So in the context of our membership, self-auditing is super important. Coming up with it, we have systems to help musicians uh, analyze their playing or get support from our team, but analyze their playing and and start to understand where the deficiencies are. Also to understand where the things they're actually really good at are. Because there's certain things that you're actually doing really well in your playing. And oftentimes we don't think about those things. We just like to go to the things that we're not good at. But actually the things that we're really good at already are, it's like what the wine's in the barrel, it just needs to age. So actually the things that we're already good at are playing, we want to double down on those things. It could be like, you listen back to a, a solo of yours and you hear just one tiny phrase that gave you a good feeling, right? And so what is that? Why, why did that sound good? What, what, what about it? It makes it so unique or special or how can I do more of that, right? So when you start auditing your playing and that's something that we really focus on, then you can start giving a better, I would almost say like a better um, tool. What's the, what's, the, what's the quote? If you give, I'm gonna, buy, I'm gonna butcher this. You, maybe you can help me. Oh, you give good. someone a fish, like, but you teach them. Oh, fish. you teach them how to feast forever. Yeah. Yeah. They feed himself forever. Exactly. Yeah. So, like, I, I like to, for, for those, our members and those who come into my community, like, I want to teach them how to fish, right? I want to teach them how to teach themselves, right? I want to give them all the tools that they need to succeed, but I want okay. them to well, out of themselves. What happens if they're delusional? Uh, oh, if they, oh, if they think they're good, but they're not? Yes. Oh, I've, 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 there's only one person I can think of in my, well, he's actually not really delusional. He's just, he's just, um, not afraid to make mistakes, which I think is a good thing. Most of the time I find with musicians, I wonder if you can relate to this Lander. Um, musicians are very, uh, self-deprecating. <laughs> they, they tend not to give them, unless they're like a, a, a really great player, hot shot touring the work, like touring the world. Right. Um, and even then, like some, some of my teachers I study with, like were so down on their playing and they're like my heroes. I'm like, what's going on? So I don't usually find that's the, the biggest problem. Um, in my community, there's a few people who, uh, don't sound, I don't want to say they don't sound good. They're improving and they boldly put themselves out there. Right. Um, and try to do things they can't do yet. And it's kind of at that point where you just have to. I'm not necessarily say don't do that, right? Because in, in some sense, when we're talking about jazz or music, a lot of it's trial and error, right? Trying to figure out what's working, what's not working. So it's not saying don't do that, but it's more like that's where the jazz coach comes in and says, hey, listen, you're still not playing the chord changes, right? We talked about this before. Uh, let's step back for a second and let's focus on this thing instead because that's what we need to get first. And as soon as you got that thing, as soon as you got like even 10% better on that one thing, then what you just did is going to sound that much better. All I could say is people who are teachers like you 
God bless you. <laughs> I don't have the patience for that. And I'm not saying I was a great student. I wasn't. <laughs> so I understand this. Yeah. But yeah. <laughs> if I ever bring up one of my old teachers on the podcast, oh, they'll tell you how, how difficult I was. Oh, yeah. So, <laughs> gotcha. Yeah. Well, you're a better person than me there. Well, let me also say this, you know, I, I used to teach private lessons, right? Like I, before I really started making my living teaching music online um, with Learn Jazz Standards, I used to teach private lessons and I'll be, I'll be honest with the audience and just say that that actually was not for me. It's not that I, I didn't do it or I didn't benefit from doing it or I didn't like it sometimes, but I found that that patience of working with someone um, especially when I used to teach kids, that was a little tricky for me. I, I have, I have some colleagues who um, have like whole private lesson studios uh, where they teach like strictly kids, and and like that when I was teaching kids, that was very difficult for me to have patience or just to even understand how to teach someone like that because like you have to th you have to think about teaching in a totally different way than than adult learners, which is like primarily who is in my audience is our adults. Um, like 50 years old and, and up really is like the main people in there, right? They're completely different kind of people you have to teach versus kids are, are like, you have to think of it more as a game. Like you can't, I, I remember like one of the first, uh, when I was in like high school, I started teaching, um, students and I used to think about it the same way. I was a very driven and motivated person. Like I loved to practice. I practiced like five hours a day. I was like that person for a while. And so I would always like a student would come in and I would teach them how to play like their G and their D chord. Right. And so then next week we'd, they come back and they didn't practice. And so <laughs> they still didn't know their G or D chord. So I would just, I would just go like, well, fine, we're not going to move on until you get your G or D chord. Like months go by and maybe they got it right. And they're wasting their parents' money. And so I used to think like, oh, they're wasting their parents' money. Like these, these students aren't like, this is frustrating. But then what I realized years later, especially after like talking with a lot of friends that do it really well, is you have to treat these, you have to treat learning music completely different. Like you have to like stimulate quick wins all the time for kids so that they're feeling like they're improving all the time. And actually now in my teaching, um, when people sign up for my membership, for example, we really focus on that. We really focus on the psychology of learning so that immediately you're like, wow, I just learned the first four bars of a melody by ear, and I've never done that before. And so you immediately start getting these quick wins. So I've actually, through the, the frustration that like you're expressing, um, I've actually learned how to become a better teacher of, of that way, of just failing at being a teacher, honestly. <laughs> okay, Man, oh. but like I said, you guys are better than me on that. And I, I, I trust me, I fully understand the need for teachers because that keeps the music going. Yeah. Because they have to understand the weird stuff we play. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Well, the weird stuff we play, you know, is, I don't know, something that, that becomes apparent to me. I, I mentioned like almost everybody that comes to me, they're adult learners, right? And they, they come home from work and they, they want to pick up their saxophone or their piano or their guitar trumpet and they want to practice and play and they they want to sound just a little bit more like freddie hubbard right that's what that's what that's what they're excited about and um i don't know just the joy that the, the thing that gets me excited to do it right is is when you start seeing the impact that it has on 
on their lives. Like, and, it, and it's, it's really made me a believer in a better understander of how important music is. You know, I always knew that because music had a big impact on me. But then you kind of, I don't know, this is just me, perhaps as a professional, you lose kind of, I felt like I've lost sight of that at points in time where it's like, I'm really just focused on, this is a job now. This is about making money. This is about getting better at playing my instrument. This is about, instead of like the joy of just playing, right? The joy of just like picking up and having fun for no other reason than this is great. And so I actually envy, um, I actually envy these people who, who, who listen to us playing weird, strange stuff and do it for fun, strictly as a hobby, right? Because uh, it's the joy of curiosity. It's just... It's, Trust me, those people complain also. <laughs> the, oh, I know that. <laughs> I, I definitely know that. Like I said, you know, I don't know, hardly know a musician out there who's not a little bit self-deprecating, right? But um, it's fun when you see other people having fun playing music, right? Agreed. Okay, well, Brett, uh, actually, before you go, you need to tell me your favorite guitar player of all time. Go. Oh, don't, you're going to do that to me? No. Yes. That'd be one? Got, come on. One. If you only had one person, who would it be? Oh, okay. Well, if you're, if you're going to back me into a corner like that, uh, I have to say, and because I, I really wish I could do like, a, a, like an old and a new. That's what I wish I could do. Okay, we'll do that. Then. Really? Okay. Open up. Okay. Who would it be? Now I have to say this does like change from time to time, but today, as it stands, old would be Jim Hall. If we're talking, we're talking okay. guitarists, right? Not jazz musicians. Okay. Yes. Old would be Jim Hall. The reason why Jim Hall is because he's an example of a musician who's able to really lean into his strengths. So I love to use this example of on, you know, the Sonny Rollins album, The Bridge. And there's the title track, The Bridge, right? Which is like super fast. Yes. And so Sonny Rollins comes out of the gate and he's like, blah, 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 blah. like he's like, you know, just cruising, like sailing over top of those changes. You know, Sonny Rollins sounding as good as Sonny Rollins always does, right? And then it comes up for Jim's Hall, Jim Hall's turn. And you're like, you know, you kind of know Jim Hall. He's not that chopsy of a player. So you're like, what's going to happen here? And then you listen to his solo. And what he's doing is he's skating over top of the changes, right? He's skating over top of the time in his own way. And yeah, sometimes he's weaving in a fast line there, but he's like, I'm not, I'm not a chopsy player, but what he plays is musical as hell on that, on the whole album, right? anytime he ever plays. But I, I just really always admired that about his playing, the melodicism of the way he plays. So yeah, Jim Hall is, is the old. The new, the new I have to say, is Peter Bernstein. I love Peter Bernstein. I like his style. I like the way he plays. He's one of those musicians where I try not to listen to him because if I do listen to him too much, you're going to start copying. I'll start sounding too much like him. He's like one of those players <laughs> for me. Um, and I got to study with him a little bit at one point in time. And then whenever uh, my wife and I can get a babysitter for our kid and sneak off to uh, you know, smalls or something, you know, usually he's involved or the Vanguard. So usually he's, in, he's involved. Um, and so, yeah, I'm just, a, I'm a big fan. I, I like his plan. Okay, man. Well, I'm not going to push you too hard with the other <laughs> instruments. <laughs> I, yeah, okay. I, I would answer more, but you know, it's, it's up to you. <laughs> really? Okay. One trumpet player. Trumpet player. One. Okay. Clifford Brown. 
That's easy. Saxophone. Uh, it has to be Coltrane. Okay. Uh, no, no, no. Uh, right now, it's Hank Mobley. It's Hank Mobley. Uh, okay. Yeah. Trombone. Uh, I don't really have a strong opinion on trombone. Oh, you don't like that instrument? No, I just don't have like a... <laughs> no, I like it. It just, I... I don't know, Curtis Fuller. I don't know. It just, I, there's not one where I'm like, oh, I really love this particular trombone player a lot. Fair, fair. Hit me fair. with that. Put, okay. put me on the spot again. See if I fail. Keys. Keys? Uh, Wynn Kelly. Okay. Bass. Uh, that's another one. Paul Chambers. I mean, no, no. Uh, yeah, I think just Paul Chambers. But again, that's, that's another one where I'm like, I like a lot of bass players, but it's just kind of like, uh, that's the kind of jazz I like listening to. I like listening to that really, like hard bop stuff, like and bebop okay. stuff. So it's just he's on every, everything. So you get used to his playing, right? And then most importantly, on the kit, on the kit, drums. I, I think Bill Stewart. Okay. I know. I went. I went modern on you. Yes. Yeah, so oh, what's your? Like, <laughs> you gave you gave me a look. Uh, so I mean, you're the drummer. So what's what's your? No, he's good. It's just that I wasn't guessing that coming from you. Gotcha. Anyone who listens to my show knows my top drummer, which is who? Buddy Rich. Buddy Rich. Even though I had guests that played with him and said a whole bunch of stuff about Buddy Rich. <laughs> yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Well, could you tell the people how to reach you, where to find your stuff, et cetera? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, thanks for the opportunity, by the way, Leander. Appreciate it. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, learnjazzstandards.com is our website. Um, and then we also have a podcast. If you're if you're someone who's listening and you, uh, you're just interested in learning how to play jazz and improvise and all that stuff, and you play any instrument, unfortunately, <laughs> except for the drums, then go check out the Learn Jazz Standards podcast. Um, yeah, we were, we're on episode 400, what are we, 410? No, 411, 412. Nice. So it's been around for a while. <laughs> okay, well, everyone, this is Leander from Improv Exchange. Thank you. Have a good day. That's that on jazz. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Improv Exchange. Please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. Also, please be sure to follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Improv Exchange. <laughs>